Ether. Today is Tuesday, December 21st, 2021. This is a space hosted by Orbital Command. It's the Alpha Hour with special guest Fan Fury. Let's take a listen. Can you hear me now? Oh, yeah. Yay! Oh, man. Pleasure. Wow. This was, uh, <laughs> this was an exercise. <laughs> that's, that's definitely one word to describe it, I would say. Yeah. <laughs> I apologize. My apologies to everyone on the call. I've kept you guys waiting for quite some time with uh, with me just being a noob, to be honest. So I apologize for that. <laughs> no, no worries, no worries, man. We're we're super happy to have you on. So I guess we can get started now. Um, so what's up, everyone, and welcome back to you know another one of our Alpha Hour Twitter Spaces. This is where we bring on big brains from Protocols on Terra and give you guys the community members. The opportunity to ask them some questions and learn about their projects. So today we're fortunate enough now, after some troubleshooting on the audio side, to have Adrian from Fan Fury join us. So Adrian, welcome to Alpha Hour. Thank you so much, everyone. Thank you for having me here. It's uh, it's an absolute pleasure to be here. I've been on the other side of the uh, of of this uh, of of the mic for uh, on multiple multiple occasions, and it's uh, it's it's a pleasure to be on this side for once. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, we're happy to have you here, man. Um, we're really excited about the protocol that you guys are launching. So just for, you know, the sake of everyone in here, uh, the format of this is just the same as we always run it. So my name is Zion. We also have Edwin and Andy here. So Andy's Rebel DeFi, and then we have Edwin, all of us from Orbital Command. And so we have some questions we can ask Adrian, but we also want to give you, all of you guys the opportunity to ask some questions or comment on things that you find interesting as well. So it's a community space. So if you'd like to speak and just ask a question or comment on something, just request to speak and then Andy or I or Edwin can promote you to speaker. Um, so Adrian, maybe a good place to start for us is with your background. Could you just tell us a little bit about your background and your role at Fan Fury? Yeah, absolutely. I'd love to. Um, so uh, my background is actually, to be honest, I've been a designer for most of my life. I've been uh, working with design for, I'd say, a little over 10, 12 years now. Uh, for the most part, product design, applications, web um, and mobile um, across industries. So I've been doing that for quite a while. My last stint was um, essentially with uh, a financial firm um, where I essentially got into cryptocurrency, got into blockchain, and uh, that's sort of where my journey to into uh, uh, down the rabbit hole sort of started, so to say. Um, but uh, that's that's essentially what uh, my sort of background is. And uh, I, I think where I started in terms of crypto, I think I'd say is probably I'd say about a year or so ago, maybe a little more than that, um, started just dabbling with trading for a while. Um, followed a few of the, you know, the OG guys and then got to know about Luna. Uh, Followed Nicholas Flamel for quite a while, uh, Midas, uh, you know, a few of the other guys that really, really introduced me to, you know, what Luna was and what Terra was. And uh, 
it's been an exciting year to be very honest um this 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 last year has been a, a tremendous year in terms of uh, just growth and in terms of just getting to getting into the ecosystem itself um, um learning it's been a it's been a huge huge tremendous year of learning so um I, i'm excited uh for what what we're building what we're bringing um and uh, yeah can't wait to get started well thanks for giving you giving us that brief overview there of yourself and you know it's it sounds like uh you're really excited about you know cryptocurrency and and everything in the Terry ecosystem here. Um, could you tell us a little bit about Fan Fury for those that have not read through the white paper maybe and just give us a brief overview of of what you guys are bringing to the Terry ecosystem? Yeah, sure. So um, essentially what I do uh, at Fan Fury is um, I sort of run the product side of things and look at it in terms of, um, you know, the direction, the tokenomics and the actual, the actual um, you know, structure. Um, so Fan Fury is essentially, um, you could look at it as an esports sort of ecosystem that we're building out. But what we're doing is we're starting with a daily fantasy sports platform. Um, the To be honest, we actually always had the intention of starting a fantasy sports platform um, on, on DeFi Ives, and that was the initial idea. And we've always rolled with that and i think um a lot of this came along because uh, as fantasy sports players we played fantasy sports for multiple years um, me and uh, a lot of the uh, other members on my team as well we uh, you know we've got our own clubs that we support we uh, to be honest all of us have grown up being sports people at some point during our school or college careers and it's always been part of uh, so you know sort of our existence um i would say till today um, so when we looked at, you know, traditional fantasy sports, especially in India, the, the, the issues around it were, uh, you know, very, very apparent to see. And uh, you, you could, uh, uh, to, to be honest, it was getting, um, uh, I mean, the idea was that we felt that by moving it to a more decentralized system, there were a few issues that we we thought we could solve. Uh, one was essentially centralization of power itself. I mean, there are very, very few companies out there that do fantasy sports. And um, it, it's essentially controlled by very, very few people. And the profits here we're talking about are huge. So I think the first thing was sort of um, in terms of just uh, you know, bringing those profits down to the actual people who take part. Um, and more than that, decentralizing the system in terms of, uh, you know, taking the platform out of the equation, taking their ability to game the system out of the equation. Um, we've seen platforms that have run their own tournaments and game the tournaments in order to game the system. So um, we've seen platforms go to extreme lengths to, uh, you know, put out fake winners, put out fake results. Um, and this is something we've, we've uh, you know, experienced in our own, um, you know, homes and lives as well. So the idea, I think, for, for us, um, when we started was look at a look at a fantasy sports platform that could be owned by the people who actually play. Um, and more importantly, uh, a, a platform that is decentralized, that is um, essentially uh, uh, fair and, uh, and easy to play, I would say. Gotcha. So could you give us kind of a breakdown of like how it'll actually work in practice, you know, when someone goes on to the Fan Fury app and they want to participate in the, you know, the product that you guys are essentially creating, like how, how will that actually work, you know, kind of walk us through what that looks like. Sure. So um, ideally, everything that is uh, everything you're taking part in on the platform itself uh, or on the app itself, you're, you're essentially doing in Fury. Um, that's essentially our token. Um, and I think that the way that the app is going to work is uh, so we do daily fantasy sports. So there's a couple of ways that, um, you know, platforms do fantasy sports. You have, um, you know, a league format. You've got daily fantasy sports formats. And I think what we're going to focus on um, is essentially daily fantasy sports. Um, we also know, um, for example, in the U.S., you've got, um, you know, uh, a dynasty 
fantasy, uh, you know, fantasy sports and things like that. And essentially, we're going to be moving to that, um, I would say, eventually. Um, but to start with, what we're looking at, at is um, sort of a daily fantasy sports model. Um, and the way that would work is um, you would come into the app. Um, you would look for the look for a game uh, from the number of games that are uh, you know active during that day or in in uh, let's say the next two days. Uh, so bets are generally open for uh, two days, so uh, the day before the game as well as the day of the game. So you can start placing get you know uh, bets on the game um, from a day before. So ideally, you would come in, um, select a match, and once you've selected a match, you would essentially decide what contest you would be part of. So um, we have two different types of contests. Um, you have large pool contests, which um, are essentially um, you know, large number of teams. You've got up to 5,000 teams that can enter one of these contests. And then you have the head-to-head -head versions as well, where you're playing one-on-one -on -one versus, um, let's say, a known opponent. It could be um, a random opponent from, from the system. Um, and the idea here is that um, a lot of the contract rules that we've written into place, uh, you know, the rules that govern the uh, the, the pools themselves, uh, their creation, and uh, a, a lot of what goes into um, uh, ensuring that uh, people can't game the system like the way that they do it on, let's say, FanDuel or DraftKings, uh, comes from the number of teams that you're allowed allowed to enter, let's say, um, in, in one of those pools. All this stuff is essentially controlled by the smart contracts. Um, so if if we're looking to let's say compare um, you know any of the traditional fantasy sports platforms um the the rake fee for example that they charge is anywhere between 12 and 16% we've got a flat 5% i think that's one of uh, you know the huge differentiators that we're looking at um also in terms of how we distribute the rake itself and then i'll come, sort of come to that a little later but i think in terms of the payouts themselves um you know these payouts are essentially done to a very very small group of people you're talking like 22% maybe 40% and what this allows, um, you know, uh, participating, um, let's say, uh, uh, people to do or players to do is because FanDuel and DraftKings allow you to enter, you know, anywhere up to 120 to 140 teams per account, it allows you to game the system relatively easy. So if you had, let's say, three or four different accounts with your KYC done, um, it would be relatively easy to say game the system in terms of, um, you know, taking um, a huge chunk of uh, the number of teams participating and then being aware, being part of that very exclusive 22% that takes home the entire um, you know pie. Um, in our system, what we do is um, we make it at least 12 times harder for you to um, you know create your 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 teams because essentially we limit those um, those teams to anywhere between 12 and downwards depending on what the uh, sort of value of the uh, of the pool actually is. Um, by doing this, what this is essentially does is it makes it much, much harder for a person to essentially come in and game the system because um, you're not just working with, you know, two or three different wallets, which can be managed by two or three different people. Um, you've got to essentially work with between 60 and 80 wallets in order for you to really sort of get the advantage that you're looking for, um, you know, if you want to game the system. Um, it's just not sort of worth it. And that's sort of the way that we're looking at it when we sort of look at, uh, you know, these, uh, uh, the gamification of the contract from, um, let's say, an outside source, or let's say players looking to come and try to manipulate the results with, you know, entering a lot of teams. Um, I think a lot of this is going to be controlled with smart contracts themselves. That's what essentially is going to make it, you know, sort of bulletproof. Um, but also in terms of just the payouts as well, um, what we do is we ensure that up to 75% of uh, the 
the teams that are actually paid out. So what this does is it, it, it ensures that the number of people that are actually taking part in the winnings is a lot more than, let's say, uh, DraftKings. So it's a lot more difficult to, let's say, take uh, all the winnings than it is on DraftKings. On DraftKings, essentially, you're, you're part of the top 22%, you're taking everything. Um, here, you essentially have 75% of the teams that are actually taking part, um, you know, winning, which means that there really isn't a way for you to, you know, game the system in terms of um, you know, how much of rewards you're going to be taking out, let's say. I'm just sort of going to stop and give you guys some time. To yeah, no, it's great. I mean, yeah, you, there's there's a lot there's a lot to unpack there. And I think that you guys are doing a good job, like you said, of kind of preventing the gamification of of this model in fantasy sports. And, you know, I've done fantasy sports in the, in the past and reading through the white paper that you guys have. I, mean, I think the the way that you guys are going about it is, is really interesting and, and compelling. I wanted to unpack, you know, the team aspect a little bit more because you talked about the teams and, you know, I would I was wondering if you could go into how does team construction work in Fan Fury? Like, are people going to be going in there and creating their own teams based on like the players? So like if we're talking about like the NBA, yeah. I'm going to go on there and I'm going to be able to create a team like that. Or how is the team construction going to work on Fan Fury, I guess? Sure. So um, ideally, the, the way that team construction works is, like I said, you're essentially working within one single match. So if, let's say, you're looking at, um, you know, Chelsea versus Arsenal, um, then what you're doing is you're going to go into the game and essentially you have a, a selection of 22 players, the 22 players that is essentially available from Chelsea and Arsenal. Um, what you are given is you're given a, a hundred, let's say, in their case, it would be a, a hundred thousand you know, pound budget. Um, now, what's going to happen is there are essentially fantasy sports points that are assigned for every player. So you have two sets of points that are assigned. One is his cumulative score, which he, which is basically a cumulative score of all his points, let's say for that particular uh, league. So if, let's say we're talking about the Premier League, then let's say, um, you know, uh, uh, VR has a, a, you know, cumulative score of uh, 300 points. And he also has what's called his value, which is, which could be essentially between seven and eight credits. Um, so what you're doing is you're using the total number of points to gauge the value of the player, to gauge how good he is, to gauge, you know, uh, what are his probabilities of giving you a good score. And you're using the value to essentially um, ensure that you fit your 11 players within that £100,000, uh, you know, budget. Um, so the idea here is that you're going to have some players that are going to be really expensive, think, you know, 12, 13 credits, and you're going to have most players that are going to hover around the eight, nine credit range. So the idea here is that you really can't have, you know, all all of the best players on your team, you really need to sort of balance it out in terms of how many good players you have versus how many uh, of the not so, um, you know, hot players you're going to put onto your team. Um, and I think that, uh, the the other thing that you, you're going to have to keep in mind is that you can't really select all the players from a single team. You know, you have to have a, a minimum of, let's say, in, in football, uh, you, you have to have a minimum of, let's say, five players from uh, one side. You can't really have less than five players from one particular uh, side. So what this does is when, when you have contests uh, between teams that are not particularly even matched, um, you ensure that the uh, you know, players that are participating are, are are picking from both sides rather than just picking from one. Um, so this is essentially part of, like I said again, the 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 rules and sort of regulations that we've put in place. Um, so once your teams are created, essentially you you're 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 done. You've gone through your budget. You select a captain and a vice captain, and and the captain and vice captain you're actually selecting because uh, they're actually going to give you a multiplier effect. Um, so anything that any any points that your captain or vice captain sort of earn at the end. 
of the game is in your captain's case doubled and in your vice captain's case it's sort of one and a half x um so at the end of the contest at the end of the match um what's going to happen is there is going to be a tally that will happen of all the actions that you know um, every one of those players in the game that took part uh, we made during the game so it could be um an assist it could be let's say you know covering a certain number of yards it could be uh, a tackle it could be an uh, you know a goal um and and also in terms of who scores the goal let's say for example if a defender scores the goal obviously you're going to give him a slightly better point than let's say a forward scoring a goal so once all these calculations come through and and we've basically assigned points to every person you assign points to every team um all this by the way is done by the smart contracts themselves the payouts happen uh from the smart contracts and the way that uh you know i think that we do our um uh, our tokenomics is sort of interesting i I'd, I'd, I'd like to come to that uh eventually but um, in terms of like the payouts themselves, uh, all that is essentially handled by the smart contracts in terms of the determination of who the winners will be, what their allocation is in terms of the winnings, and um, essentially giving them that allocation. Um, now, once the allocation is given to people, they will uh, have to claim that allocation. So say, for example, if you've won, let's say, $1,000 or 1,000 Fury, you're going to have to claim that Fury. It's it's not going to be essentially deposited into your wallet. That's that's something that uh, you know we want people to understand, that the, a lot of the prize money is claimable. Um, um, but ideally, that's essentially what uh, the way that we'd like it to work in terms of game flow and in terms of sort of gameplay as well. Gotcha. And one question I had to kind of add to that was related to, and we can dive into, like you said, uh, Adrian, you know, the Fury token and the tokenomics there. And I, and, I, and I want to do that. I just want to kind of lay the groundwork down for people to understand, you know, how Fan Fury is going to work from these different perspectives. They can kind of imagine before the app goes live how they're going yeah. to be able to play um, and different stuff like that. Cause I think what you guys are creating is really cool. And I think it's going to be really fun for a lot of people. Um, but one thing I wanted to add on to was with the team aspect, I was just wondering if you could talk, cause I was reading through the white paper and, you know, it, was t it had kind of an interesting idea on team ownership and how that ties in a staking fury. So I was wondering if you could kind of unpack that. Cause I thought it was an interesting idea that you guys came up with here. Yeah, absolutely. I'd love to. Um, so um, in terms of like staking and liquidity, I think that um, we're doing some interesting things in terms of how we sort of reward our stakers and liquidity providers. Um, so in general, when you have rewards that are being sort of paid out to your stakers and liquidity providers, generally it comes either from protocol fees or it comes from, let's say, an allocation that is, um, you know, uh, 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 within the tokenomic structure allocated specifically for rewards. Um, but in our case, uh, you know, the fact is that because we have a rake fee that we're generating was which is in in all intents and purposes profit um you know of the platform itself um we can afford to you know deliver that rake directly to the people who are essentially holding up the protocol our liquidity providers as well as our uh, stakers um and what we want to do is in in terms of our liquidity providers what this does is it sort of gives them a long-term sustainable reward mechanism rather than a short-term um inflationary mechanism so in in our case um the rewards for the lps are essentially coming from uh profits that the that the platform is making so think of them as dividends that are being given out to these people who are essentially holding your shares um, and in terms of your stakers, um, it's the same thing, um, but it's we're, we're sort of taking a different approach in terms of uh, uh, the way that we want people to approach it. Um, and I'll uh, sort of come to that as well. But sticking with sort of the LP um, side of things, um, 
because we have the ability to sort of incentivize our LP providers through our rate fees, um, what this does is it not just gives us the ability to have long-term rewards for our LP providers, but it also allows us to, let's say, use the LP allocation or the LP reward allocation that we have in our tokenomics to sort of drive the uh, you know, POL side of things. Um, and that's something that we're very, very interested in doing. It's something that we're working with, um, you know, a few of the, I'd say, um, experts in, in in our ecosystem to sort of accomplish as well. Um, and, and I think that this is interesting from, from a long-term standpoint in terms of the way that people look at the platform itself and the way that people are going to look at it um, as, um, I, I would say, a serious project rather than just, um, you know, a game project itself, because we do have some very, very serious stuff coming up. That's really cool. Um... I, I think what you guys are building is is really, I, I mean, I'm personally very excited for it because of the fantasy uh, fantasy football and stuff that I've done in the past. What kind of sports are you guys actually going to have on the platform that people can participate in then? Yeah, so we're looking at five different sports. We're looking at soccer. Um, we're looking at um, uh, cricket. We're looking at uh, the three American sports, baseball, um, basketball, as well as um, football. Um, so those are the five that we're looking to start with. And so when I say start with, I mean that uh, what uh, when we do testnet and probably main it as well, I think it'll be football and cricket that we're looking to launch with um, uh, to start with. Because like those are essentially the two sports, or at least football, for example, is one sport where it doesn't matter what time, what part of the year you're, uh, you're in, um, there's always going to be a football game on, doesn't matter whether it's international, national, you know, league. Um, that's not, un unfortunately, that's not true for most other sports. So uh, baseball, for example, has a season. Um, and it's the same with, let's say, the NBA and the NFL. You know, they've got certain times during the year that they play, and then there's generally no games. Um, so I think that's one of the reasons that we chose to sort of launch with football and cricket because of the availability of games. Um, and then eventually we will move to, um, you know, getting uh, the North American sports in as well. And I think a a lot of this also comes down to the fact that um, we want to ensure that the data that we're bringing in is sort of decentralized and we, we're, we're trying as far as possible to get to that eventually. Um, obviously, working with sports data on Terra is, uh, is it's become a challenge, I would say, um, because of the sort of non-availability of, let's say, oracles, uh, both band uh, and, and now chain link because they don't have an integration, but something that we're looking to drive. Um, so I think that one of the other uh, you know aspects of the you know how we're sort of providing or or, or let's say uh, contributing to the ecosystem is um, by essentially having access to our own oracle. So what we want to do is eventually come to a point where we are essentially uh, you know the ones who are providing this fantasy sports for these five um, sports or the points for these five sports. So what this does is it doesn't just give um, your other platforms within Terra the opportunity to use our uh, oracle service, but it also gives other chains as well. So you know. When you list on ban, you list on Chainlink, you give other protocols the opportunity to then come in and sort of use our data, data that's proprietary to us um, in terms of, uh, you know, sports data itself or fantasy sports data itself, because there really isn't anyone out there who's doing decentralized fantasy sports data. Sports data, yes. Fantasy sports data, no. Um, so I think that like once we sort of get that running, I think then that's when we can sort of look at it as end-to-end -end being decentralized um, in terms of, uh, you know, not just the data that's coming in, but how it's processed and then how it's being used as well. Well, the classic follow-up question here, Adrian, is uh, when launch, you know, and I know the classic answer is usually, you know, when it's ready, but I was just curious if you could drop any alpha for us on when you think yeah. uh, Fanfury is going to launch. 
Yeah, so um, I'm going to be honest, like we, we're beta testing right now uh, internally. Uh, the app is sort of ready. Uh, what what we do want to do is to sort of launch the web application. So we've separated the um, the app experience or the game experience into two separate parts. You've got um, the gameplay, which is a um, mobile app. Uh, going to, it's going to be Android and iOS. You'll be able to play on both. Um, and then we've got the sort of staking side of things that we're looking to build a whole narrative and, and sort of lower around. And that's, um, you know, sort of where this whole staking teams and team staking teams uh, pools sort of come in. Um, so the way that we're looking at it is um, we have 250 teams um, that are essentially tied to the five different sports that uh, that that we're tying with. Um, so you'll have 50 teams. Um, think of them as being monikers of, you know, the current sports teams that you follow. So, um, for example, if you had Arsenal, then it would, in our metaverse, uh, you know, probably be called the Gunners. Um, so there is sort of that connection that you know you're you're going to see immediately um but it's you know it's not going to be a direct connection it's not going to be something that is um you know explicit um and what we're looking to do is to sort of create this uh the, this this sort of story behind these clubs and the idea here is that um you have uh these uh owners who are essentially able to claim these teams taking pools so you'll be able to let's say claim the um you know lakers teams taking pool and what this does is it gives you the opportunity to now take part in sort of a gamified um prize pool that sort of gets distributed every day so um if you remember we were talking about the rake fee and i said that you know half of it is going to our lp providers um the other half is essentially being given to our stakers and the way that it's being distributed um is 80 percent of that rake fee that's distributed every day is distributed to pretty much every staker in every single pool so 250 pools however many stakers it's distributed to every one of them um the the 20 percent that's at the top that 20% goes to the team staking pool that sits at the top of that, let's say, league table. Um, you know what I mean? So the idea here is that uh, what we want to do is we want to sort of get the, get the you know, that cult sort of following that people have for their clubs, that, that pride that they sort of put in their clubs. And we want to use that to drive, you know, people to come in and sort of stake, the, to stake their tokens and, and drive their teams up the table. Um, and the idea here is that when you're talking to sports fans um, and, and you talk to them about fantasy sports, it's not that far a stretch in 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 terms of you know getting them uh, to to sort of move um because it's not that you have it, it's it's not an area that you need to sort of teach them sports fans are very very comfortable with fantasy sports so in terms of getting people to move it's going to become very easy for us because of two separate things one is of course the the reward mechanisms that we've put in place and the fact that you are actually taking part in the profits but also in terms of just uh, you know, ease of moving. Um, the the platform is going to be very, very easy to use in terms of um, logging in, the entire wallet, uh, you know, creation experience, the on and off ramping that uh, you know we're going to have for your uh, for your for your fiat. Um, you'll be able to you know uh, use Fan Fury within your sort of day to day setting, and I'll. Uh, I don't want to drop too much of alpha there, but um, the idea here is that we're going to give people the opportunity to really use uh, the, the the platform and really take part in the platform so that when you're in the platform, it's not like a regular fantasy sports platform where you've got these fake coins that, you know, you don't really do anything with. You're actually taking part in profit within the platform itself um, and then being able to really spend that profit immediately. Um, I think these are two two huge, huge factors that are going to contribute to, uh, you know, the way that we're going to grow. Um, and uh, in terms terms of like uh, what sort of uh, marketing sort of strategies we're looking at in terms of um, uh, how, how to sort of bring in audiences to uh, into terror. Yeah, this is, a, I mean, this is one thing that I really wanted to talk about today, because when I saw it in the white paper, I thought this is a, this is something I think that the terror community is really going to get excited about. I mean, 
So just to kind of summarize what you're you're talking about there. So the way it's going to work is there's going to be, you know, 300 teams across five different sports, and basically people will be able to on a first come first serve first serve basis claim one of these teams. And these teams, correct me if I'm wrong, are these teams that are teams that already exist? These are teams that like you know like the LA Lakers or the Milwaukee Bucks or something like that, right? These are the that's absolutely. Yeah, that's absolutely the way we're looking at it. But like I said, um, you know, you're, you're going to look at them and uh, if you're a local, you're going to know what it means. Um, so let's say, for example, like like I said, you know, you have the cop. Um, but as soon as you say the cop, I'm sure all the Liverpool fans out here know what I'm talking about. So, um, you know, it's it's going to be very sort of local slangish um but it's not it you're gonna you're gonna sort of know exactly what the which club we're talking about i'd say um and it is going to be yes the real clubs out there whatever the whatever you're looking at in terms of um you know clubs within those five sports yes we're looking at all those clubs um so the idea here is that we're limiting uh club ownership to like one wallet uh per club um and we know it's going to be a slightly difficult task for us to uh, you know keep track in terms of uh you know people creating multiple wallets. So there is um, a claiming fee that we're attaching to it. And um, uh, uh, so we're, we're looking at ways where it's going to become at least a little expensive for you to be able to hold more than one club. But the idea here is that, I mean, why would you want to? I mean, you know, you you want to hold your club. You want to be able to bid, bid for your club and claim your club and then be able to drive that up the table because the reward systems that are being paid out are paid out every day. That, that top 20%, that's every day. So the idea here is that you don't win today. There, there's always tomorrow and there's always the next day after that. Absolutely, man. Yeah, this is a really cool model that you guys have created here. And yeah, I think you hit, the nail on the head there with the problem that you guys are, you know, kind of tasked to solve here is how do you kind of disincentivize people coming in and, you know, either bots coming in or, um, you know, individuals coming in and trying to claim all, you know, well, multiple of these teams that are in here. And I was just curious if you guys have thought about from the bot aspect, you know, because one of the models that a lot of people are, you know, utilizing nowadays is like LBPs and obviously, yeah. you know, that plays into, disincentivizing bots at the initial offset yeah. of a token launch. How have you guys thought about bots in terms of this model with the uh, staking and the teams? Yeah, so I think I think we've looked at it in, in, in two sort of separate terms. Um, I think that in terms of the team staking pools themselves, I think what we are looking at maybe doing is to utilize, let's say, a lun the lunatic score. Um, we maybe look at that in terms of um, uh, you know, sort of vetting a vetting process, so to say. Um, and in terms of the token launch itself, yes, we absolutely did look at LBPs. That was sort of the first thing that, um, you know, came to mind. It was before, you know, most of the other protocols used them. We were, uh, so bots has been a huge thing for us because of the fact that we're a social platform. We need as many people to hold our token as possible to make us as democratic as possible as a social platform. Um, so the idea from the start was always looking at ways that we could control bot manipulation and and large, um, you know, huge, huge deposits coming in and and um, you're scooping up tokens at, at low prices. Um, so when Astroport, you know, advertised their LBPs, that that was one of the first things we sort of looked at. And I think that from our point of view, uh, what we're more looking to do is to sort of integrate with Scout. Um, I think that's sort of the direction that we're probably going to be, that we're probably looking to go in. And I think there's a few reasons for that. And one specifically is the fact that um, with Astroport, we're sort of going to have to uh, uh, audit our own LVP contracts. And um, to be honest, it's, it's, it's another contract to audit, uh, to be honest. And uh, when we were looking at it in terms of the 
the outcome. Uh, we felt that the outcome is is going to be the same in terms of bot uh, uh, prevention as well as wheels, as well as the fact that you're going to have relatively um, even price discovery. Um, and once you do have that price discovery, the ability for us to then have um, you know POL right from the start is going to be relatively easy as well. Um, I think that there were a lot of things that we looked at when we looked at Pylon Scout and said that that's probably the best way for us to go because it gives the community the opportunity to all buy the token at a single price. It prevents bots, prevents whales, as well as what we can then do is to essentially say that the liquidity that we're providing, um, you're not going to have a lot of movement on that uh, in terms of price simply because everybody's coming in or at least a relatively large amount of people are coming in at um, you know single price. If I can ask a question here, Adrian, you mentioned this, your goal is to be a social platform. Um, and um, my, my, my question is in regard to the mechanics of that, like, how is there, is there going to be an opportunity for like a chat platform or also the news in regard to the sports? Like, is that something that we're going to have to do? off of the app or is that something that's going to be built in um so i think a lot of that right now is being driven um you know through discord to be honest um but we we would absolutely be looking at um, looking at a youtube channel i think that's something that's absolutely on the horizon um we're looking at essentially sort of a content driven youtube channel very similar to the way that um i'm sure you guys have fantasy uh, football in the in, in in the us it's a it's sort of a twitter channel that does just fantasy sports um, related content. So we're looking at something very similar in terms of um, uh, uh, the social aspect and how we want to connect with people. But in terms of like uh, user generated content, we have not given that a lot of thought in terms of let's say a chat experience. Um, it's something that we could look at, but um, from from our experience, like um, a chat experience in, in, in a fantasy sports app, we've not seen it before. I mean, it, it would be it would be nice for us to see sort of the experience that that we're looking at because we don't see a lot of use case for that but it would be an interesting thing to look at another question i had for you adrian you know and if other people in the chat here or in the space rather you know want to speak and you know ask adrian a question or, or discuss something you know related to what they're building feel free to just request to speak at any time otherwise i'll just uh keep firing some questions over to adrian but um yeah why don't maybe. we why don't we uh, just kind of unpack the Fury token a little bit more? So could you talk a bit about some of the use cases for the Fury token? Like what are people going to use it for and how can they kind of benefit from this token? Sure. Um, so essentially the Fury token is going to be used for pretty much everything within um, uh, the 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 sort of fan fury uh, ecosystem, so to say. Um, so um, in order for you to, let's say, place your bets, in order for you to get your uh, your payouts, your rewards, um, um, all your all your rewards are essentially paid out in, in fury token. So ideally, the, the token of choice, the transactional token within the fury ecosystem is the fury token. So um, in order for people to participate, let's say, in contests, they're going to have to buy the fury token on order, in order to participate. Um, but having said that, like the way that the game, the, the way that the token economics works is um, it, it works by essentially taking your bets in Fury tokens, but holding your bets in USD. So the idea here is that, let's say, for example, uh, you've got a 50,000 um, you know, USD pool and uh, you've got 5,000 teams taking part, each paying, a, each paying $10. Um, so the idea here is that when uh, a person comes in to make that um, you know, that entry fee payment of $10. Uh, what the system is going to do is, or the smart contracts are going to do is, it's essentially going to look at what the price of Fury token is at that point. Um, it's going to take that amount of Fury from um, the participant. 
And as soon as it takes that amount of fury, it immediately essentially converts that fury into USD and holds it in USD. So at all times, what we're doing is we're taking um, a, a certain amount of USD worth of fury tokens and holding that in USD. So although we're taking the bets in, in fury, we're holding it in USD. And the reason we're doing this is because of the burn mechanism that we're implementing um, in terms of the, uh, the from essentially the rake fee. Um, so from the rake fee, 50% is distributed as profit to stakers and liquidity providers, but 40% essentially is burnt. And the way that burn happens is it happens based on the value of USD. So say, for example, if you've got um, a 5000 um, or a $50,000 pool, you're essentially going to be burning approximately 2% of that. Um, so you're looking at about $1,000 worth of burn. Um, so the idea here is that when the burn happens or when, you, when you're actually um, you know, doing the burn, the, the idea is that uh, you have $1,000, you buy $1,000 worth of Fury tokens at that point, at that price, and you burn it at that price. So um, essentially what we're saying is that if the price of Fury is, let's say, low, um, what you're going to do is you're going to burn a lot more Fury tokens versus if the price of Fury is relatively high, you're burning a lot less. Um, so think of it as if the price of Fury is, let's say, 10 cents, you're burning 20 tokens versus um, if the price of Fury is a dollar, you're burning two. Um, and what this is going to do is it's, it essentially puts a certain amount of pressure on uh, the token itself, on the value of the token itself, because uh, the way that we look at it is there's going to be a certain amount of buying pressure that's going to come from um, essentially gameplay. Um, so if at all there is a slide in price, it should essentially be taken care of by this burn mechanism, because as soon as the price starts to fall too heavily, you're going to have a huge amount of burn that happens in terms of the actual token itself. And because we have a fixed supply, we've got a fixed supply of 420 million. Um, what that's going to do is it's going to put sort of it's going to put pressure on the supply side of things um because you're going to have a certain amount of circulating supply that's going to sort of come down once you have those burns happening on every single contest that happens um so that's essentially the way that we're looking at um you know the tokenomics and and why we feel uh, you know the token is going to be a stronghold one because obviously it's an ecosystem token it is going to be transactional it's going to be used for everything that's that essentially takes part uh, that that happens within the app but i think the second thing is also in terms of the way that the tokenomics is structured it's structured in a way where um, essentially it's deflationary, but it's deflationary not just um, in terms of like an arbitrary amount of tokens. It's deflationary pretty much tied to the price of the token itself. Um, and I think what this does is it, it, it gives the token breathing room when the token starts to rise in price. So then essentially what that does is it ensures that there's enough um, you know, tokens in circulation to uh, not put, let's say, um, you know, pressure on the price, let's say, for example. Gotcha. Okay, well, that's really cool. Now I want to know how I can get my hands on the Fury token. You know, when when are you guys planning on launching this token and how do you guys plan on uh, distributing that to people then? Yeah, so um, I think the first thing will be uh, t the TG event will essentially be um, Pylon Scout, like I said. So um, we're looking at doing um, um, essentially a, a raise on Pylon Scout. So you'll be able to, um, I, 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 I mean, I'd like to sort of maybe go into how Pylon Scout works for uh, the people that, um, you know, are yeah. here that, don't sort of know how these two things so lbps and pylon scouts sort of work the same way um so if you've if you've uh, worked with let's say astro tokens right now you know how lbps function but um pylon scout essentially works very similarly in terms of the way that um they look at at price discovery um so what happens is you have a certain number of tokens that um you know you put in terms of a public sale um so in our case let's say that number is for example 20 million um so ideally what happens is you allow people to come in and um uh, or the community to come in and essentially 
get that price discovery for you. So the community comes in and depending on the amount of USD they're essentially putting into that pool, um, that essentially determines what your final price of, um, you know, uh, the Fury token is. Now, um, ideally the way that it works and the reason that it's good against, let's say, bots and whales is because let's assume that the bots do come in in the first couple of minutes, they buy huge chunks of the token. It's not really going to matter simply because the token really doesn't have a value right now. It doesn't have a value yet. Um, so the way that it works is um, these deposits are essentially kept open for a certain period of time. It could be, let's say, 24 hours. It could be seven days. Um, but essentially, you have deposits open for a certain period of time and then you you close your deposits and then as soon as you close your deposits you open withdrawals for a certain period of time generally it's about half the period of time that you've got deposits open sometimes it's less sometimes it's more than that but ideally you you are separating the deposits and the withdrawals so that the, the, even if you do have people who are coming in at, let's say, um, you know, large chunks of money or you do have bots coming in and placing these huge, um, you know, buy orders, um, they're not really place, placing it at an early price, um, you know, and, and essentially uh, shooting the price up. There is no price right now. So price discovery essentially comes once that entire period of buying and or rather uh, uh, deposits and withdrawals are done. Uh, you have a final amount of USD in the pool. Uh, so you have USD is the fury and you you essentially get a uh, you you get a figure in terms of what your uh, what your value is and that's sort of the value that is a fair price in terms of what everybody gets their fury tokens at so if there's 20 million tokens for example then um, that amount of usd is or that amount of fury tokens is divided by that amount of usd and each one of them get their tokens um, so what this does is like i said um, in terms of bots huge huge effects because essentially they can buy they can't sell um same thing with the with the with the big guys um and more importantly in terms of like the price discovery itself it's more organic um so that when the price does rise it rises organically rather than um in 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 spurts um so if, for people who are holding the token it makes more sense it makes the token it makes holding the take token more stable because then you don't have people who have come in at huge huge um you know differences in price that can let's say dump at a certain level on on other people because most 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 everyone has come in at approximately the same price. Um, that's sort of, I'd say, top level in terms of how Python Scout works. I think that's sort of the, the the first thing that we're going to do is the the public launch, which is going to be Pylon Scout. That's the direction that we're going in right now. I'd, I'd sort of like to, to reconfirm that and leave that uh, sort of um, open. Um, but uh, so far, that's the plan is to do Pylon Scout first, and then we will have IDOs. Um, we have IDOs planned with um, StartEra. We have uh, pools planned with Pylon pools. And we also have an IPC planned with Valkyrie. And uh, we're trying to work with a decentralized IDO platform that I can't name. Okay. What, you know, another question that I had for you related to Fury, the token was related to liquidity provision. Um, yeah. And so I was curious because in your white paper, I saw that you were saying that people are going to provide liquidity for the Fury to UST pair on TerraSwap. And I was curious if you guys, if your team has any plans to have a pair on Astroport, considering the, uh, the liquidity that's been locked in there. Yeah, so I think that the white paper is, um, I, I'd say dated, it's 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 quite a, quite, it's gone through a few changes, but it hasn't gone through uh, changes in regards to like where we're providing liquidity. But um, I think that's a very, very fluid discussion. I think that absolutely Astroport is something that we're looking at. Um, more than uh, TerraSwap, I would say, because in terms of like the flexibility that it offers us. But um, I, I'd say that that's absolutely on the cards. Um, Astroport is, is definitely something that we're looking at in terms of uh, where to provide liquidity. 
Awesome, man. Yeah, I'm super bullish on ass report myself. I've I participated in the lock drop uh yeah. this last week and I'm gonna be participating in phase two as well. Um Same here. yeah, I, I think a lot of uh, I think a lot of people open to phase two as well. I mean, uh, what's not like uh they, to be honest, we're very, very impressed with the way that they've uh, gone about their uh, not just the lock drop, but even their LVP. I mean, it's uh, yeah, uh, sort of model um to sort of model after. Yeah, I know. And it's crazy to see how much liquidity has been locked up in there in yeah, you know yeah. a single week. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's it's a huge amount. It's uh, it's it's amazing to see like the amount of people that actually moved their uh, um their LPs. I I didn't I didn't expect it to be the amount that actually moved. To be honest. Yeah, yeah. I think it. I think it's just a lot of people pricing in that you know TerraSwap is not really a good AMM. It it looks more like a minimum viable product in my in my eyes yeah. than it looks like a finished product, but. Um, you know, it is what it is. And I think Astroport's really going to bring a lot to the Terra ecosystem and transition us like they talk about in their documentation from Terra 1.0 to Terra 2.0. But um, Astroport aside, um, I also had a quick question for you related to protocol owned liquidity. So you brought that up and I was wondering if you could talk a little bit about the treasury that you mentioned in the white paper and, you know, you guys are allocating 10% of the token supply to the treasury. Can you talk yep. a bit about the function of the Fury Treasury and why such a large percentage of the total supply is going into that? Sure. I think a lot of this is down to like the long-term um, sort of goals of the platform in terms of, um, like like I said, uh, owning our own liquidity. Um, so like I mentioned before, because we're sort of incentivizing our LPs long-term from our rake, um, a lot of it, a lot of the uh, a lot of the incentives there are sort of perpetual in that as long as there is profit coming, the, these guys who are providing LP are going to have, let's say, a certain amount of um, uh, 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 value that's accruing to them apart from just the fees. But I think because what we want to do is use our LP allocations to sort of drive the POL narrative. So what we want to do is to sort of say that because we don't have to use the LP um, incentives, uh, so we've got a 7.5% allocation to LP incentives before we touch the treasury. Um, so the LP incentives are essentially going to uh, provide us with the ability to uh, sort of immediately as soon as we do our um, TGE and our public sale to sort of start um, working with buying back our liquidity or buying back the liquidity that we're going to give people the opportunity to create. So once the token sale happens, uh, we're going to give people the opportunity to come in and create LP tokens and immediately uh, essentially sell those LP tokens um, for, um, um, you know, Fury tokens at a, at a certain amount of discount with a certain amount of lock-in period. Um, so I think that right now um, what we want to do is to sort of start driving that narrative right from the start um, and to sort of ensure that we have enough um, of enough um, I'd say backing in terms of uh, the number of Fury tokens that we're looking at because um, we want to be able to drive this long term and we want to make sure that we have, um, I, I'd say, anything upside of 80% in terms of uh, POL um, over a period of, let's say, 18 months. Um, so in order for us to do that, we, we've sort of... Uh, try to bring in as many allocations as we can in terms of not just uh, the LP rewards, but like uh, in case it's required, let's say some from the treasury as well. Gotcha. Andy, did you want to come in there for a second? I saw you unmute yourself. So um, just before Andy sort of came in, I just thought also like to severe a lot of this with the fact that um, a lot of this is um, right now sort of working with you know, people who are really, really experts, uh, way, way, way more than I am, to be honest. Um, and I think that a lot of this is going to come down to, you know, final sort of decisions at 
the the time of launch that when we're actually looking at mainnet because I think a lot of it can change lot lot of things can change between um you know now and mainnet and I think that um uh, the, these things are probably a little flu uh, uh, fluid I would say in terms of like uh, uh, plans around it. Gotcha. Yeah, no, that makes sense. I mean, you know, I know how startups work. I mean, you know, you you start something and you iterate on things. You have some assumptions. You test them. You see what you know you think is going to work and you obviously are iterating on things as you go. So yeah, that makes total yeah. sense that things will be fluid for you guys as you go. Maybe what we'll do is, you know, we can definitely, we would love to have you back on in the future as you guys get closer to launch so we can talk about uh, the launch and and the Fury token some more and, and what you guys are, are going to be actually launching with if, if anything changes between now and then. Yeah, absolutely. I, I so I think, like I said, testnet should uh, probably be out. I'd say before the year end. Um, so there will be a testnet rewards program that uh, is going to go live. I'd say within the next day or so. Um, that is essentially going to have a million tokens that's going to be on offer for people that participate. So um, it's essentially down to like ten thousand people. We've got ten thousand people that we're opening it up to um, initially um, who are going to be able to participate in let's say the reward program, and then after that we're opening it up to pretty much anyone who who wants to come in and, and participate. Um, um, but yeah, um, if if uh, there, there's going to be a registration that's going to go out in the next few days, so if you if you want to come and participate in the testnet rewards program, um, that's going to be that's going to be up. We're very very excited about that, um, and I think in terms of like mainnet, um, we're looking at. I'd, I'd say we want to be able to get our audits done. We're very, very concerned that uh, our audits are at least done by two auditors independently. Um, and apart from that, I'd, I'd say that we want to make sure that we have a lot of the um, reward systems that we want to put into place within the platform itself. So um, we're working with Valkyrie right from the start. We are going to be tying up with Valkyrie to sort of drive our reward programs um, in terms of retention uh, for the app itself. Um, we're also working with Valkyrie to sort of drive the team staking pool. So we want to, we we want people to essentially share these team staking pools in as many places as possible. And we want to sort of drive that through, um, I'd say, Valkyrie. And so Valkyrie is going to be uh, relatively um uh, uh you know decent partner for us over the next let's say few months maybe a year two years because i think that in terms of like a reward system and in terms of like a reward um uh, mechanism it it's uh, it, it's it's a mechanism that works with, within the terra ecosystem and it's something that we feel is going to work for us specifically when it comes to fantasy sports no i think that's going to be perfect for you guys i mean that's a perfect use case for valkyrie you know when they launched initially i was like well we just need other protocols to launch that could utilize this model and Valkyrie is yep. going to end up being a really good value add for the Terra ecosystem, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And I think that um, apart from Valkyrie, if, uh, if if we're talking about like, you know, things that I feel that are going to be really, really special, um, things that I'm really looking forward to would be, um, like I said, the uh, apart from just having, uh, you know, integration with Terra Station, with driving integration with other uh, wallet, wallet providers as well. Um, so we're, we're driving integrations with on and off ramps. So you'll be able to, uh, you know, move your funds into USD and out of USD from Fury, out of Fury, um, into multiple different currencies. Um, you know, be able to spend with, um, I, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I'm going to hold on to that for a little while, but I would say definitely on and off ramps. Um, you know, that's, that's, we feel like a huge, huge thing right now that terror is terribly, terribly missing. Um, and I think like, like natively, we really do need sort of a, 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 you know, an option for people to be able to very, very easily move in and out of, um, you know, USD. I agree. No, I agree with you. And I'm very excited for you guys, you know, for your launch on Testnet here, hopefully either this month or next month, and then, you know, mainnet thereafter. Um, how can people look out for the sign up form to be a part of that Testnet? 
Yes, yeah, so um, a lot of this is going to be on our socials. Uh, Twitter is is the best place. That's essentially where a lot of our announcements are made. Uh, Discord, I'd say, would be the other place that uh, we'd be uh, we, we we're most active. Um, a lot of our announcements are generally on these two channels. Um, and I yeah yeah I, I would say that those those are probably places that we, we we're going to be looking at uh, putting out this information. Awesome. And so for the test net, just a real quick question I had for you. So is this going to be the people that participate in it? Are these people going to be purchasing the Fury token at like a certain price? Or is this going to be like an airdrop kind of a thing where they get the token just for participating in the test center? How is that going to work? Yeah, so um, ideally right now, since we don't have the to uh, so we don't have the tokens minted yet, we're still uh, sort of, uh, we'll, uh, well, we'll, we'll talk about that separately. But uh, ideally for the testnet, what we want to do is to sort of have uh, people use faucet. And uh, what we want to do is we have um, the, the, uh, the liquidity contract that we have in place. So we want essentially to um, to, to work it exactly like the way we're going to do it in mainnet. Um, so ideally, you're going to buy the Fury token using UST, um, um, you know, interact with the contract at a certain price. It's going to start at a certain price, and then you're going to interact with it, and then it's going to do its thing. Um, but ideally, the, the idea here is that um, we have a certain number of Fury tokens. They're going to be allocated in the respective wallets, and and ideally, that's the way that we're looking at doing it. I'm not sure if that makes sense. I'm, I, I'm, I'm sort of more to... Uh, I wish I had my technical guys here with me, to be honest. Oh, yeah. No, I was just curious because you were saying earlier, you know, that you guys had an allocation of Fury tokens that you were like allocating to the testnet launch that people oh, yeah. would be able to like uh, yeah, let's obtain somehow that. through participation. Yeah. So uh, what, what we're going to do is we're essentially incentivizing behavior within testnet. Um, so the idea here is that um, depending on sort of what you do within testnet, um, you're going to be allocated points. So say, for example, if you take part in a large contest, you're allocated 10 points. Uh, you take part in all five large contests, you're allocated like 70 points. Um, so the idea here is that um, we're just actually driving a leaderboard. Um, so the idea here is uh, you have a certain number of uh, tokens, a certain number of tokens that we've allocated, in this case, a million tokens, and that's going to be distributed to people who fall within certain um, areas of that leaderboard, let's say. Um, we're, uh, we're, we're still working out uh, the, the sort of distribution mechanism right now, but the idea will be that um, the 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 entire testnet uh, program will be sort of action based. You will need to come in there and sort of do certain actions to qualify for a certain number of points, and that those points will qualify you for a certain number of rewards. Um, so those rewards will essentially be distributed on the Genesis event. Um, so on the Genesis event, when the Genesis event happens, these will be airdropped. Gotcha. Okay, that makes sense. Well, there's yeah. some alpha for you guys. You know, if you guys uh, want to participate and get your hands on some of the Fury token. You know, just participate in that testnet. Um, Adrian, when you guys launch the testnet news on Twitter, um, send yep. us a DM with that, and then we can distribute Absolutely. that as well on our Telegram. So we have an intel really report that we put out all the news in the Terra ecosystem for it. So we'll put that up on there and then also uh, tweet it out as well to our followers. Yeah, we'd be very, very happy if you could do that for us. We're very happy to send it to you, yes. Absolutely. Well, does anyone else, uh, Edwin or Andy, do you guys have any uh, last questions here for Adrian? I'll just jump in with a quick comment, if that's all right. Is my mic a bit better now? Yep. So no, we can hear you. Awesome. Awesome. I, I just think, like, I'm, I'm really passionate about bringing new people into the Terra ecosystem. And I, and I think Fan Fury is just going to be amazing for that. Like, tons of my like, real-world friends love sports. They're sports betting, and, and they like doing fantasy sports as well. And I just think Fan Fan Fury is going to be such a great way to hook them into Terra. So 
yeah, I'm really excited about this. Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that, um, you know, a lot of uh, our excitement, to be honest, as a team comes from the fact that we've noticed that, you know, huge, huge amount of our terror users are um, um, not not very specifically based in Europe. Um, it's Europe is not specifically uh, an audience that has been very terror friendly uh, for, for, for multiple reasons. Um, and I think that with Fan Fury, what we're going to do is we're going to have the ability to bring a lot of the audience in from, um, I'd say the European audience, but not just the European audience, but I'd say the traditional, um, you know, uh, trade by audience as well, because the way that our app is going to function is not going to look like a crypto app. I mean, it's not going to function like a crypto app. It's not going to, um, you know, look like a crypto app. Ideally, it's going to work and function just like any other, you know, app that you're going to be able to download on the Play Store. Think, you know, uh, uh, you know, uh, water worlds or whatever. I mean, the the idea here is that it's not going to, it's not the experience is going to be very, very similar to the way that you have an experience in a regular app, uh, from logging in to cashing out. Everything is going to be seamless in terms of, um, you know, the way that you interact with your wallets, the way that you interact with your tokens. Um, we're going to we're going to make it as seamless as possible. Awesome, Edwin. Do you have any last questions here, or comments for uh, Adrian? Uh, just to add to um, to to that idea of it not looking or feeling too much like something that's just like a financial platform, um, I think it just makes it more fun. And and that's one thing that we're missing on Terra, right? We, we have really good financial products, but as we start to expand and try to get more people into the system, we need more apps like, like Pan Fury that are connecting different subjects to the Terra blockchain. So yeah, I'm, I'm excited to um, to see what you guys uh, produce and uh, to be part of the testnet as well. Absolutely. We're excited to have every one of you guys um, on there. We will be the first to share a lot of that information with you guys. You guys will be the first to hear about it. So um, yeah, just uh, eyes and ears open, I'd say. Um, we're, we're very excited about what what's what's coming to be very honest because we know um what you know the sort of audience that we're targeting um and they're a huge huge audience so um exciting times ahead absolutely very exciting times ahead i'm very much looking forward to your guys testnet um adrian where should we send people you know to get more information on fan fury um so it's uh, our twitter account is essentially fan fury official um that's our twitter handle uh, that would probably be the best place to um to to follow us i'd say you could follow me as well um a lot of uh, uh, alpha drops through me um I'd say faster than it drops through Fan Fury sometimes because I've got sort of uh, this this problem when it comes to uh, putting out information. So yeah, I'd say like those are two probably the best places to get your information on Twitter. And then our Discord channel is uh, again uh, Fan Fury official. So uh, those are the three places I would say is the best place to get any information about Fan Fury. Fantastic. Well, thanks again for for coming on and and uh, you know giving us some of your time and insights here, Adrian. We really appreciate it and. Appreciate you dropping the alpha for us as well. Absolutely. So um, there's a lot of there's a lot more alpha to be honest. Uh, where where this came from, uh, we're sort of pacing ourselves in terms of like the amount of alpha that we put out there. But <laughs> I, I, I'll leave you guys with like one one more sort of uh, pe uh, piece of information, which is the fact that we will have um, a very very exclusive um, list of 250. Um, passive income, uh, perpetual NFTs that we'll be launching. These will be sports NFTs that will be gamified, tied to sort of performance data, um, last alpha, right there. Oh, okay, okay. I like the sound of that. You'll have to uh, keep us abreast with any updates there when you guys launch those. 
definitely do the same thing, you know, send us a DM or something yeah. and then we can put something out on our telegram or in our Twitter as well. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. All right, guys. Well, uh, that about does it for the alpha hour here with Adrian from Fan Fury. We hope you guys enjoyed it. Um, if you guys want more news and developments in the Terry ecosystem, follow us on Twitter at Orbital Command and also uh, check out our Telegram news channel, which you can find in our bio here on Twitter. We put out all of the latest news on all things Terra related. So things like new protocol launches, new things like Fan Fury and other things in the Terra ecosystem. You can find that in our bio here on Twitter. And until next time, onward and upward, folks. Yes, yeah, so, um, just one last thing before you guys go. I just want to sort of just a huge shout out to you guys for one, just having me on the show. and. Um, do just for what you guys do for the ecosystem. I followed you guys for a long time. And like I said, um, a lot of alpha has dropped through you guys to me. So I'm just very, very happy to be uh, to be here, to be talking to you guys and, and, and glad that you guys had me on. So thank you guys. Thanks for checking out another episode of The Ether. That was Orbital Command hosting the Alpha Hour with Fan Fury, recorded on Tuesday, December 21st, 2021. For Terraspaces.org, I'm Finn. Thanks for listening. Volcanoes erupt, no one ever guessed that the game would be tough Keep it hands off when the play is a bust Plain old and just so we keep it on the one Blast off on the two, help me see the three Third eye open wide, checking out the scene Razor beam focused, starscream jokers Living off the fat of the people they approach Tell me what happens when the land fights back With the cliffs at our backs make the last stand matter No one ever planned for the famine on deck We was walking all erect with the dead man swagger Sitting in a little den, envision in the middle men Listen to the fiddle man play a little ditty then Talk about how all the leaders seem reptilian Lost in the maze, trying to make the next bubba-billion Talk about how all the leaders seem reptilian Lost in the maze, trying to make the next bubba-billion Dan envision in the middle men Listen to the fiddle man Play a little ditty then Talk about how All the leaders seem reptilian Lost in the maze Trying to make the next No one gave a shit Till the drugs all dried up Everybody died From a bad batch of Lysol But it didn't matter We was all hyped up When the pedal hit the metal He just didn't have the right skill Watched in the daytime Till the night curfew Rats in a cage Till they make time to murk you Got a little job That falls under my purview We gotta get this mob Away from the bird you gotta find cover, wipe off the bird poop, ride off the work while you try on the worst juice. Blinded by perps who try to reverse truth, slide like Fox News just trying to lie to you. Eating up the slop like a bunch of hungry vagrants. I can't wait for the day they lock us up in stasis. Mock up a basement, could call me resilient. Waiting for the internet to make me a billion. Little
little Danny Vision in the middle, man. Listen to the fiddle, man. Play a little ditty, then talk about how all the leaders seem reptilian. Lost in the maze, trying to make the next b-b-b-billion. Talk about how all the leaders seem reptilian. Lost in the maze, trying to make the next b-b-b-billion. Spaces.